Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Shoutouts to our newest patron, Lee, coming in at the $5 level. Thank you, Lee. We really appreciate your support. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Tori. Hello. <laughs> wow. Dave is just jumping the gun right there. So joining me is Tori. Hi, Internet. And Craig. Hi, Dave. <laughs> hi, Internet. Hi, Dave. And no one else. And Dave. <laughs> Yep, that's him. Hi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, can we start over? Okay. No, that's fun. We should leave it. No, that was a giant mess, and it's going to be a pain for me to edit. Just leave it, man. Yeah, leave it. Uh, <laughs> the internet has to know we have fun. I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> Mike hates fun. In theory. Uh. Okay. So well, we're talking about Well of Ascension chapters. 15 through 17. But before we talk about that, we have a little segment we like to call The Good Thing. You know what? I'm actually on board with this. You guys do the intros from now on. (laughs) So, Good Thing. Mike, why don't you go first? (laughs) I'd love to. Uh, My Good Thing this week is... Let me see. Let me pick from one of the couple of things. Ah, here we go. Uh, it's a podcast done by the McElroy brothers, uh, and Tim and Guy from The Worst Idea of All Time. Uh, it is called Till Death Do Us Blart. Every year on American Thanksgiving, they watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 and talk about it. Uh, this podcast is one that will last for all time, uh, because upon any current member's death, they have um, arranged for someone to take up their mantle should, you know, should they die. Wait, wait. They only record once a year. Yes. And they only talk about Paul is Blart than the president. Mall Cop 2. Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Not Paul Blart Mall Cop 1. Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Okay, sounds great. It's fantastic. There are four episodes out so far. Um, there is already They've some... They've been doing this for four years. Holy crap. There's already deep, deep lore attached to this. Um, <laughs> I did actually watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 because I noticed that it was available on Hulu, and I can't recommend that. Uh, it's not a good movie, or even really a movie, except in the sense that there are moving pictures and audio, and it progresses, like... Aside from that, it doesn't really count as a movie. Um, so is is watching the movie a requirement for enjoying this podcast? Absolutely not. In fact, I would I would go so far as to say that it detracts pretty heavily from it. Don't watch the movie. <laughs> Do listen to the podcast. And that's my good thing. Very good. Dave, go next. My good thing this week, and it is appropriate for the time of recording, my good thing this week is Christmas light. And going around your neighborhood, or if you live in a, an apartment as I do, a nearby neighborhood, and 
you know, in a non-obtrusive way on the sidewalk out of people's property to kind of admire all the uh, all the little sparkly thingies. People do hard work to get that up. Dave, did you check out the place in Delaware this year? No. The, the big house that, like, goes crazy with lights? No. Have you ever been there? Is that the one with the recording mailbox? I think no, that one's I mean, in Northeast PA. It's a whole PA. thing. It's, it's a or, big lot. Actually. They have, like, every single Christmas lawn decoration in existence. Um, I might have gone like with you deal. one time when we used to live together, but I don't think I've been there besides that. Okay. Uh, but there was this one really cool setup uh, in my tour last uh, last Wednesday evening. They had these lights set up like a little waterfall, and oh, that's they had nice. like it was basically like they had a wall at the end of their lawn, just like a couple feet, a couple feet tall, and it had all these blue lights on top of it to be like a little riverbed. And then, like, along the wall, blinking lights so that it looked like a little waterfall. Really cool. I took a picture and a video of it. And also, pro tip, if you're walking around, uh, don't take shortcuts through people's yards because it's illegal and there's probably a fence on the other side. This goes if you also play Pokemon Go still. I love Christmas lights. I think that's an excellent good thing. All right, Craig, what's your good thing? Um. Not, not you know, as good as you guys, but uh, I'm just going to go with, I started playing it again last night. It's a game still in early access called PC Building Simulator, uh, where you build and repair PCs. And they've done a lot of work in like the past year. So I actually got this like a year ago. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. But it gets sort of samey after a while, which is you get the same, like people email you say, hey, fix my computer. You get their computer, you do something, you test it, and then you send it back. But it's always, at the time, it was always the same thing. But now he added, like, a review system, so the customer will give you a review. Uh, There might be hidden objectives for fixing the computer. Like, they might want extra things that they'll mention in the email, but not explicitly state. So if you do those things, hey, you get a better rating. Uh, It seems like there's more stuff to do with, like, diagnosing issues and stuff. Uh, So that's pretty cool. That's just neat. If if you like the hardware side of computers, and that's that's pretty good. It's actually reminds me a bit of the car mechanic simulator series, which I really got into a few years ago. Um, but you know, with cars, there's a lot, I guess, more to do. And I think the intention is for the PC building simulator to like eventually get there. It's still an early access, but you know, it's fun. Didn't you almost IRL open up a computer? part slash repair store oh oh a store yeah i was thinking about that but eh, it's a it's a lot of work and i don't think it's as big how you get the experience that you missed out on yeah all right tori your turn so last week in the state of the sanderson address which we did a special podcast episode over and you guys should listen to it if you haven't uh Brandon Sanderson mentioned a soundtrack that um, a band called the Black Piper had made for the Way of Kings. So it's the unofficial book soundtrack. And the album is called Kaladin. And it is super good. I've been listening to it a lot since last week because 
I really like those um, epic cinematic score kind of soundtrack. Uh, I find them very motivating when I need to do anything. And this is along those lines. There's some really good stuff in there, you guys. It's uh, free streaming on Amazon Prime, and it's available on other places where you might buy your albums as well. So check it out. Kaladin by The Black Piper. Uh, I have sort of a related thing to this really quick. Uh, and that is that Brandon, as he's writing things, tends to make um, playlists for himself on Spotify. And like you can look these up and listen to them, and they make excellent listening like while you're reading the book in question. Um, he is, in most things on the internet, Mistborn Llama. Um, and yeah, the, the Oathbringer one, I listened to a lot while I was reading it and holy crap, it's amazing. It's so good. You know what songs get in my head as I'm reading like Mistborn, especially like as we approach near the end of the books? Is it video game soundtracks? Because that's my number two. No, it's Homestuck music. Uh, for I mean, some that's... reason, those are the ones that get into my head, which I think are actually pretty appropriate for certain scenes. We'll talk about it more as the scenes actually come up. That's also really, really good. Homestuck had an excellent soundtrack. Dude, the guy who made Undertale also, Toby Fox, right? He did yeah. songs for Homestuck. Including Megalovania. Yep. All right, well, we're covering 15 through 17, which, uh, Dave, I know you read. I suspect the rest of us have, if if not this week. I didn't. Whoops. I'll refresh you. You never read it. So, okay. yeah, go to it. Chapter 15. Sazed wakes up alone in camp beneath the everbrown trees. Sazed finished his morning routine. Still no marsh. Sazed hoofs it alone. So uh, Sazed wakes up uh, in the middle of the woods and marshes it around, and Sazed waits around for a while, and he decides to continue his journey alone. So he wants to make it to Luthadel, check in on Vin and Co., and also get this very important uh, chalk charcoal imprint of the uh, unedited first draft of Well of Ascension. Sazed wakes <laughs> up in a bathtub full of ice with a note on his chest saying, see a doctor. Okay, so now we have the next part of chapter 15. Urbine, a picturesque town of dead herdsmen. <laughs> Sent in mind, old non-dead dude. Now that the Lord Roller is gone, the mist can kill us. Sazed leaves dude and steel mines it to Luthadel. Alright, so Sazed comes up on this town called Urbine. He notices a bunch of livestock just chilling out on the sides of the roads and it's like, well, that's weird. I guess they have a ton of food and everyone's doing fine. Let's see what's going Oh no, it smells like dead people. So he does uh, similar to before when he stored iron to uh, slow his descent, jumping off the cliff, well really to, to reduce his weight and increase the relative wind resistance. Uh, he stores his, after drawing from scent to, you know, see what that smell is, he's like, this is awful. So he can store the scent and thus suppress uh, his uh, susceptibility to this malodorous stench. And he 
peers off in the distance by flaring his tin. There's someone who's not dead. And this guy has survived by eating the corpses of the other dead dudes. And basically, mists are coming out in the daylight and people are dying in the mist and everyone's afraid to go outside. So they all shut themselves inside and starve to death, except for this one guy. And, and the reason is? The reason this guy's eating corpses? Yeah, yeah that is what I'm looking at. The reason he's not dead is because he's a yeah, because he's eating the other dead people. And, you know, this is reinforcing the Ska superstition in the Lord Ruler and how the Lord Ruler watched over and protected them in their minds. And Seized's like, well, I'm not bringing this guy with me. And he uses his steel mines, which, remember, store speed to get to Luthadel quickly. And he also mentions that speed is one of the hardest attributes to store using Farukami. All right. Any questions about Chapter 15? Nope. Carry on. Okay. Did you enjoy that section? Uh, it, it was enlightening. There was a couple <laughs> interesting like world-building things, like this is the fallout of the death of Lord Ruler. This is other cool tricks that you can do with Farukami, but it wasn't like... It wasn't like the most important like oh my gosh all this stuff is revealed chapter but that's fine you need you can't you know it's the book overall is paced well so it's you if need it's to build the world before you can do something. yeah yeah the you, stuff that was revealed was cannibalism so uh yay <laughs> you can't make an omelet without eating a village i mean i th- i think we can see now how much darker mistborn is compared to elantris mike what was that joke you told about the uh Two Two clowns are eating a cannibal. One looks at the other and says, did we mess up the premise of this joke? (laughs) That's a good one. All right. (laughs) Chapter 16. Oh, is that... Any any questions about what we went over? All right, chapter 16. Board Seer watches Vin pull apart the logbook. Oh, that's his new name. Well, that's... That's, uh, you know, when he's... He's always Board Seer now. But you gotta say it with the obnoxious French accent. <laughs> Watches Vin pull apart the logbook. Vin decides that she's not crazy. Siege of Luthadel begins. Ellen and clubs chat. Will the siege be Ellen's pits of Hathson? Meeting with Tindwill. Ellen gets a new outfit, a new do, and a new crown. Draft's messenger arrives. Okay. Oh, there was a, another kind of like Farukami world-building development in Chapter 15. I'm going back over my parenthetical notes. Uh, <laughs> first of all, we remember that it, when you fill a copper mine, you forget what you're putting in there, right? Yeah. So, first of all, I, th- I think that it should be an IRL rule. If you read an article on the, the copper mine wiki, you have to delete the article after. I just, so I just, think that's only on to be consistent with the, with the, with the rules of the world. You have to, you have to delete. Cool. Well then, but people can instantly put the page back and then forget about it. Right. But you have to forget about it. Yeah. Okay. And I, mean, I also did kind of mind all the time. So I, I completely forget everything. <laughs> I'm also very happy that Sanderson addresses an issue that was kind of bothering me. Not enough to mention it. I don't think but it was kind of bothering me. So 
if you have your copper mine stores and you draw from them, it empties the stores. But then when you put them back in, it leaves your memory. So it, that information can never be in your memory and in the copper mine at the same time. And it fades slowly each time you draw it out because it's not, you know, it's more cumulative time that it's been in your mind. And every time it's in your mind, it starts to fade. Yeah. Okay. Then my question before reading this chapter had been, well, why does Sazed always talk about all these religions to Kelsier and Vin? Like, isn't he risking that information and, you know, drawing on it, you know, Partially. unnecessarily? But Partially. Oh, you got more. Uh, but it explains in this chapter that he has copies of all of his copper mines back in Terrace. So I, it, it kind of wrapped that up for me. So I'm happy. Oh, I was going to say, part of it is just that he's supposed to spread the information anyway. Like, it's not just his job to store it, but also to share it. Like, their knowledge is useless if it's just stored. Okay, True. a lot of what Sazed does with this sort of thing is he'll take the knowledge from the copper mind, take notes on it, put it back in, and then reread those notes that he's just taken so that he also still has that information. Uh, that's also good. Because I was also kind of wondering, you know, if he forgets about religion S or whatever. I don't know. I just picked a random letter. If he forgets about this religion when he puts it in the copper mine, then how does he know, like, which, how does he know where to get that information again or, like, what information is relevant? But if he has physical notes as well, then that, that pretty much clears it up. He has physical notes. He has indice copper mines where... It's just sort of like look in this particular copper mine or like it's like a one sentence thing for each religion or something. So he can quickly look at it and be like, I want that one and go look it up like he has those things. Plus, oh, his specialty is religions. So it's it's like he actually studies these things. So he probably has information outside of his copper mines about the religions just because that is his focus. OK. I think when we talk about the copper mines, we compare them to memory a lot. I think like the the terminology it uses in the book is actually that he memorized the thing and then put it in the copper mine. Yeah. But I, I think just as we're thinking about it, if we compare it more to say we've got a bunch of stuff stored on our computer, like I know I read that article and I know I saved it somewhere. I don't remember exactly what it said, but I'm sure it's in there. And I'm going to do a file search and see if it comes up. And then you read the whole thing and it's like, oh, yes, yes, that's what the article said. Yeah. Um, so like, like a true librarian. Right. <laughs> so you've got a good memory of it. But um, as far as having it, quote unquote, memorized, no, not so much. So I think the big question for Tori is, do you wish you could use a copper mine oh sure that would be super <laughs> um another sort of aspect to this is that Sazed does have special training like to basically make him able to remember things better than say i do right because even going back to the the computer comparison if you don't remember that you had the article in the first place it does you no good um Sometimes when I'm cleaning out my digital files, I'm like, what is this? How did this get here? I don't remember this at all. Like yeah, the scene with Gandalf being all like, I have no memory of this place. It's, it's like that. Like, who put this here? Oh, I guess it was me. All right. Back to chapter 16. Uh, I just read off the notarino. So 
Uh, first scene we have here, Vin is has rearranged all the furniture so that she has a big open spot on the floor so that she can pull apart the logbook and organize all the pages to all the topics that she wants to look over, uh, you know, about the deepness and specifically and also about uh, this translucent figure that uh, the logbook author had encountered so you know, that she can further study it. Like talking about this, it's I, I love this is how Vin researches. Like it's so <laughs> unconventional compared to a scholar, how, how they would work. Because that's Vin. I like that Orser gives her crap about not using the writing desk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, lo- I love Orsor. I think I, uh, I wrote this down. He's awesome. Yeah, when <laughs> when he says papers can be moved, mistress, if they're too <laughs> you could burn some pewter. I thought I actually wrote down on some here, like, Orsor is the best character on page 150 or something. He's like, and she's uh, like, is he your new favorite? I do like him. I am going to like him a lot. And uh, there's one point, I think, oh, no, you know what? I think it was actually later on in Chapter 17. I wrote that for Chapter 17. He's the best character on page 197. So that's coming up. And so let's finish up this chapter. Uh, so <laughs> Alan walks in on Vin <laughs> taking notes on him. And he's just completely crushing on her. <laughs> like, are you doing research or that was that was chapter 17 I, i'm getting mixed up but 15 is bleh. okay 16 is both things happening separately and then 17 is when ellen's I mean, it's fine comes in and everything converges uh so anyways uh we have our my fair lady uh starting out with El- uh ellen getting a new outfit and you know, Ellen did, beforehand, Ellen and Clubs were chatting, and Clubs is just kind of like, this is what you decided to do. Well, she's going to have to wait and see how it turns out. And are you going to, you know, and he mentions that Kelsier was a selfish dandy for, uh, he had gone to the pits of Hathson and snapped and became a Mistborn. So will this siege be Ellen's pits of Hathson where he, where he proves himself? So, uh, Clubs leaves, Tindwell comes in. And this is really interesting. Ellen, this this part of this chapter is written from Ellen's perspective. Ellen had already talked with Vin about how uh, Alamancers, or rather Conjure, cannot use Alamancy. And he recalls how Tindwill uh, broke her bonds by using strength she had stored in pewter. And Ellen says to himself, okay, Tindwill used Farukami, so she's not a Conjure. But I question that because we did not learn people. We did not ever hear about Chandra not being able to use Farukami. It was only alchemy that was, or allomancy that was specifically mentioned as an inability of Chandra. So I'm not taking this at face value. Tindwell is still on the table as a possible Chandra, as far as I'm concerned, but not for Ellen. Okay. Uh, Are you saying you don't think it's Ellen because of the. No, I information. No, that, he doesn't. Okay, I I said last time that it's not Ellen because of meta information. Because we have chapters from Ellen's perspective, we as readers right, right. know that it's not Ellen. Yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is that Ellen is making a false assumption. That's what mm. I'm saying. Okay. 
Whether or not Kondra can use Farukami, I don't think we learned that. But Ellen is assuming that Kondra cannot use Farukami. All right. And I actually went back to page 150 in my copy that uh, where Ursula and Vin are talking about the limitations of Kondra. And uh, Ursula does not mention Farukami, only Alamancy. Okay. So Ellen gets this new, like, commander outfit and Tindwell wants to cut his hair and he's like no the hair stays then she like pulls out a mirror and he looks at himself and he's like cut the hair <laughs> uh so That's he gets a haircut how it happens <laughs> and so you know he gets a new crown made out of wood of course can't have metal in this world and yeah still learning to be more assertive in the way that he speaks and then Straff's messenger arrives, and that is the end of chapter sixteen. This is a, a, a go on. Oh, this this is you know, Elland had uh, made bids to the camping armies that he kind of wanted to settle, and he's trying to play both sides. And uh, the first one to respond is apparently, I'll I'll address that later. Uh, the first side to decide to meet with him apparently is Straff, and he sends a messenger, and that's end of chapter. So I think. So I've been pronouncing it, and I'm the worst person to be the judge of this, but I say Farukami. What did I say? I don't know. Tiru is saying it should be like Feruskemi? Ferukemi? Ferukemi, maybe. I pronounce it like alchemy, but with a Feru instead of an L. Yeah, that's how, that's what I think I'm trying to do. That's the way I like to do it also. But... um the way I like to do it is not the way the audiobook likes to do it. Oh, uh, there we in, go. Audiobook. Yeah, in this instance, I think uh, to each their own. Well, well how's the audiobook do it? Uh, with the emphasis on uh, the second syllable, so it's Ferukimi. Ferukimi. Yeah. I like Ferukimi. I do too. This is this is serene all over again. <laughs> okay, we can continue now. Okay, so teen in the books. All right, chapter seventeen. Uh, I took note of some things in the italicized section here. Uh, the terrorist religion is spreading this from the point of view of the uh, charcoal rubbings author. Don't tell me, Juan. This is from Juan's perspective. Remember, way back in the past. Uh, terrorist religion is spreading and he uses this term anticipation, which I am anticipating the meaning of it being revealed at some point. All right. So that's that. Just a couple, couple little notes there. I found that interesting. All right. Here it is. Ursa is the best character on page 197. <laughs> and I probably wrote the page number down because I wanted to actually read something that he said. But basically, uh, he's, He's talking to Vin and trying to ask him, try, he's trying to ask her what, you know, why are you studying the logbook and what's what's important about this? And she gives him some phony baloney reason. And he's like, would you like me? Which Are you commanding me to believe you? Would you like me to believe that? <laughs> uh, and she says, you may believe as you wish. And then she later on tries to get, you know, some info or, be a little personal with him and he's like well what do you believe and he's like i believe as i wish <laughs> so kind of like tongue-in-cheek so i think they're getting along you know i think 
I don't know. It, she's. I think that he's growing on her, but she, and she's starting to take a liking to him. But he's really hard to read, just because you know he's he's kind of put off. He doesn't like his situation, having to be in a dog, and you yeah. know, also just the nature of Condra is like they like being commanded, and they they don't want to exercise free will in a lot of areas, and you know, it's hard for Vin to adjust to that. She she wants. To, you know, to treat him like a human boy and have, you know, de- a deeper friendship with him. But he, all he wants to do is be commanded to believe what he he's wanted to believe. So you're saying Vin thinks Orsir is Nokia? No, I think that Vin is is starting to appreciate uh, Orsir's snarkiness, uh, but that it's it's really hard to tell how Orsir really feels about this entire situation, the contract and being stuck with Vin and being stuck in the Wolfhound. Okay. Uh, okay. So then uh, Ellen walks in and at this point, Ellen walks in and he sees Vin with all this paper littering the floor and he just completely crushes on her. And he's like, are you studying? <laughs> uh, in her own way. Yeah. And <laughs> When uh, when Ellen was getting his little makeover, this uh, I was actually trying to imagine how was Vin going to react to Ellen's haircut and his change in appearance and everything. And I thought that it was gonna that she was gonna act like she really liked it and was impressed. But then, no, wait. Okay, how I thought at the end of chapter sixteen before they meet up, I thought that Vin was just gonna immediately react and be like. No, you cut your hair. Oh, I don't like this outfit. It's too stuffy. But then, like, she would secretly, like, really think that he looked handsome in his uniform with a sharp haircut, but not want to admit it. Uh, but it actually kind of turned out the opposite. She is outwardly impressed by, you know, how regal he looks and how more, com- how much more commanding he looks now. Uh, but she does, she kind of misses, you know, the laid back style. But that comes after she freaks the heck out. He walks in the door and she's like, wait a minute, who are you? Oh, it's you. Well, okay. She doesn't freak out to him, but she just like, she has this, I think she actually says she flares her pewter because she doesn't recognize who's into the room. (laughs) I don't know. Ellen might not have even noticed. (laughs) Okay. So now uh, Vin and Ellen are going off to meet the messenger. Straff's messenger, the watcher. Newsflash, his name is Zane. I never would have guessed. I had no idea. <laughs> Streff wants Ellen to come over for tea and assassination crumpets. You is need to Zane... say what you said about Zane earlier before we were recording. I will, at, at, in time. Okay. Is, <laughs> is Zane flirting with Vin? And that's this scene. They meet up with this supposed messenger from Streff. And Vin recognized him as the man she had referred to before as the Watcher. Uh, we learned that his name is Zane. Uh, someone may or may not have mentioned his name before, but that's in the past. I put it in a copper mine and I forgot about it. Oh, oh that's a, oh, but that would be a really good use for a copper mine too. Like if you had some traumatic event that you just wanted to forget about, you could just put it in a copper mine and throw it. Away. Whoa! I wonder if that's ever going to happen. Oh my gosh, that could be like at the end. Oh, dude. All right. I already wrote the ending to Hero of Ages. But anyway, 
Um, I don't there's even know who the main characters are in your So what's going to happen is like all is going to be done. World is saved, but it's going to be such a traumatic experience that the whoever the main character is going to be that does that had to live through all that and save the world. It's going to put their memories into a copper mine and put them on a shelf somewhere so that they never have to relive the horrible experience. Anyway. Um, sunshine of the spotless <laughs> copper mine. I mean, that's a really good use of a copper mine. Um, I would go way more frivolous with it. I I would just use it to like watch movies that I love again for the first time yeah. or read books that oh, I that love again for really the first cool time. Too. Thanks. Yeah. Said again, man. All right. Watchers in. So, Alan is like, "All right, tell Straff to come over, and we'll talk about an alliance." And Zane's like, "No, you have to, you have to come over to our camp because Straff is afraid of assassins." And Alan is like, "Okay, but how come I don't need to be afraid of assassins? Like, I don't want to come over to your camp." And Zane is like. Don't worry, we'll protect you from sets, assassins. <laughs> and Ellen is not having any of it. <laughs> um, that was an entertaining exchange, yes. Not a uh, not tr- obviously not trusting that his father won't try to kill him as he has in the past. <laughs> um, and Zane gets kind of flirty with Finn, and that's it. And then he leaves. He's like, I didn't realize that your mistborn bodyguard would be so beautiful. Alrighty, so last scene in chapter 17 is this little anime show-off fight scene, and coins are flying everywhere. Things are happening so fast. <laughs> like, I actually kind of, a little hard to follow, but uh, it was really, really cool and exciting. And then I just, like, <laughs> I just have this picture of Zane being this mysterious anime character that uh, just, like, comes in, spars with Vin. It's like, <laughs> you're a pretty good alamance, but you still have a long way to go. And then he turns to the side and I'm in love with you. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so, so you have so, the whole scene in anime, like already, like done. <laughs> yeah. I, the more I'm reading uh, Mistborn and Well of Ascension, the more I think it would it would adapt to an anime better than a live action film. I, I've been picturing them as anime fight scenes ever since the first time you mentioned in during the Final Empire that yeah, this is like an anime fight scene. <laughs> even, I mean, even the uh, earlier fight scene with Kelsier and he has like the little paperweight. I, I don't think I mentioned it back then, but looking back, that's, that's another one. No, it wasn't until the fight when they were literally throwing soldiers. At okay, each other. yeah, all right, that was. <laughs> <laughs> it's just throwing soldiers. Uh, yeah. But yeah, because of you, in my summary notes, I don't even describe the fight scenes anymore. I just write <laughs> anime fight scene and I move. All right. So that is it for this week's chapter. Uh, Zane is interesting. And he he comes off to Vin after they you know have a little fight just for kicks and giggles. It just has a chat with her like hey we're the really powerful ones how come we are bowing to the whims of people like ellen and strap venture he doesn't actually mention strap venture he doesn't actually say anything about what he's doing and this is why i'm really suspicious of him i don't i'm not convinced that strap actually sent zane 
for one thing, Zane's been around for a while and like didn't do anything. But like, but he the way he talks to Vin and says that Mistborn should not be the slaves of the this noble class. Then I'm like, well, how come you're working for Straff? And then I think, but are you? And Vin sees this and he's like, well, if this is Vin also picks up on this. If this is Zane's attitude, then maybe we can somehow turn him against Straff and. That's kind of the note that this chapter ends on as Zane leaves with uh, black rose petals falling in the mist behind him. Because anime. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. So I got a couple questions for you, Dave. All right. All right. Number one, who's that Chandra? As in, where's, where, who do you, who's your current top choice for who the uh, enemy Chandra is? I know you were talking about Tinwell earlier. Oh, yeah. I'm not ruling out Tindwill, but I just had a thought. So, the way that they want to uh, out the Chandra, one of the ways that they want to, well, at least try to label people safe, is if they detect them using Allomancy. But clubs burns copper. I guess Vin can detect Allomancy through a copper cloud. Right. Sometimes. Well, no, she, I think she can. She can always. Okay, but can she actually detect copper? It's well, she can detect things that would be hidden by copper. She's so I'm not, I'm not sure if she. I think because she can burn. She she can pierce copper clouds with bronze, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming copper can still give off a a vibration like it does the other metals when you burn them. So maybe there is a distinct copper pattern as well. But if not, or they could have her try to use. They could have her try to use emotional allomancy on clubs and have him counter with bronze, because burning bronze makes you immune to emotional allomancy. But that's the same issue as before, where uh, conjure aren't really susceptible to emotional. Oh yeah, but how do you know it's actually working or not? Yeah, but yeah, Yeah, they could do like they could have or or breeze or someone else is nearby. They're doing some emotional allomancy, which you can sense, but when they're in the copper cloud, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, that would work. Um, I still don't know why they don't just do it. Like, the, everybody knows how to feel that there's a spy. That's that's the thing. They want to keep I it thin. I guess it's true. Yeah. If they do. What? But why? But Club's though, he's the general of the army. And uh-huh. Ellen is. People are making decisions. And Ellen is the king. And, the like, decisions. and Vin's boyfriend. Uh, but yeah, I guess part of it is like, if the Chandra realizes they're onto him, that could be a problem. But even then, like, if they have him in custody, it wouldn't really, uh, I don't know. No, I, I still say this. How many, how, how many, deal how many kingdoms have I run with assassins and armies and mythological spies running around? Uh, we I, don't know if the Chandra will do something if he's revealed. So there's, or at least like the, the characters from their perspective. Like, sure, he's just a spy right now, but he can do all the... Like, look at what Orsir did at the end of Mistborn. Like, he took on Kelsier's body and spread the message. Like, that was a big deal. There is a religion Wait, that exists. There's another, there's another problem, actually, and a very good reason for them not to tell even someone like Clubs. There's another culprit involved. 
since the Chandra cannot kill the servant, you know, whose body was taken, somebody else was there and killed that person for the Chandra. And there is a possibility for uh, two traitors in their midst. So even mm. if they were like, hey, we're going to find the Chandra. Okay, you're not the Chandra. Good. Phew. But then wait a second. And if he's the other traitor, now he knows that we're onto them. Hmm. Uh, so okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> so my other question for you is, what do you think of my fair lady scenes? <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny. I like it. It's like, kind of teaching Ellen to be less polite. <laughs> so it's kind of anti my fair lady. <laughs> do you think there's some truth in how like the message or the teachings that Tindwell's giving Ellen? Like, do you think this will be effective? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people will look at you differently if you're dressed, if your hair is <laughs> just well. <laughs> I can oh. confirm that people definitely do look at you differently if you're dressed. <laughs> they, they look at you differently depending on how you're dressed and, you know, how good your hygiene and how neat your hair like that. Appearance is important. I think that this is a step in the right direction. Also, the way you use your words is very important. You don't want to stutter. You don't want to be overly polite in the wrong situation. Uh, you know, politeness is good in, you know, the appropriate time. But if you're if you're the king and you have to command a troop to go to their death, you don't say, hey, could you please uh, go march over there and die? Thanks. Like, oh, you got to you have to be a little more commanding. Okay. That Those are my questions. Anyone else? Nope. Nope. I'm good. And that's the other thing that it's it's kind of hard to suspect Tinwell because she just like she showed up and started helping for no reason. <laughs> that's totally what uh, infiltrators do. Well, I guess it could do that. Turn around on the good side. Uh, it's basically the whole the Sicilian scene in Princess Pride. It's like they could be thinking this is a good thing or no, this is obvious. So don't be that. But then therefore it's too obvious. So maybe you should do the thing because then you won't be suspected. That it's obvious. So, in conclusion, they're both Chandra. <laughs> That's, That's the clearly the correct answer. answer. Everyone yeah. is a Chandra now. <laughs> Be Chandra. I now. developed an immunity to Iocane powder. <laughs> Say it, Mike. Inconceivable. Thank you. <laughs> nice. All right. Are we ready for spoiler time? Are we ready for Dave yeah. to leave? Let's get rid of Dave. He's a dead weight. Yeah, we are ready for Dave to leave. Hi. Alright, see you next week. Bye, Dave. Thanks. And he's gone. Right. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Cool. Gosh, I hope I wasn't too harsh there. I hope I didn't hurt his feelings. I think he'll bounce back. Yeah, he's got a whole week to get over it. Um, okay, um, so I... I uh, you go I, ahead. Okay. Um, something I meant to bring up a couple of weeks ago is... Um, I think I know why Tensoon likes his dog body so much. And it's not just because, you know, the enhanced senses and dogs are cool and he gets to be you know a smart aleck a lot uh 
It's because he took on extra blessings. He took on Orosaur's blessings, and Orosaur yeah. had the blessing of potency, uh, which gives extra strength and endurance and, you know, all of that, like like low-key burning pewter all the time. Um, so, yeah, he got, like, a pretty decent power-up. Keep in mind, he already has the, what, blessing of presence, I think? Uh, yes. Let's him be calm and, and everything in different situations, so... Increased mental capacity. Yeah. And markiness and sarcasm. Yes, <laughs> yes, that also is included. Definitely the both of those. Tensoon was always like that. Um, dude, it's happening, though. Dave is liking Tensoon. He doesn't know his name is Tensoon, of course, but you hear, here's the budding love of a beloved character. Yes. Right here, guys. It's fun. Um, okay, so Tiru Riku in the chat. Puppy love? What? That's terrible. I said we could call it puppy love. Puppy love. I expect Dave that from Dave. I, I have I have higher expectations for you, Tori. <laughs> wow. Alright, well, something yeah. about Tiro. Uh, yeah, Tiro Riku in the chat uh, brought up an excellent thing uh, that... Dave almost perfectly predicted the inverse of the ending uh, in regards to the use of copper mines, because yep. Sazed at the end takes all the information from his copper mines into himself rather mm. than storing like some horrible traumatic thing in them so that he can no, continue he, functioning. He takes the information and uses it to remake the world how it was from all the descriptions from the different religions. It's so good. And then he gives all that information to the people in the form of some sacred books that he just left lying around for them to find. Yep. The 15 crash explosion. 10 commandments. So I have some spoilers. I decided to take a quick peek at secret history and at the end of Hero of Ages because I was reading through the epigraphs. Epigraphs, yes. Um, Epigrams, whatever. Uh, I was reading through them for Hero of Ages because, you know, it's Sazed saying some stuff. And I'm like, I'm curious, like, what information we're going to get here. And then I decided to the very end, there's actually, Sazed mentions that he fixes Spook as a favor for Kelsier. Like, he just flat out says that. And it's like, I think at the time, the first time I read through Hero of Ages, I sort of didn't notice it because there was a lot of other stuff going on. but. When you read Secret History, Kelsier actually says, hey, why don't you make Spook a Mistborn? You know, he 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 earned it for what he had to go through, that sort of thing. Like, it's right. There is information. There are little hints that Kelsier's still around. Not to mention all the time they talk about Kelsier being the survivor. Like, it's sure it's the religion, but even the characters are constantly talking about Kelsier. They do not forget about Kelsier. He's always brought up. He's always used as an example. And he is the survivor, which is pretty cool. So there is stuff there, and I'm looking forward to seeing more, like, once we get to the end of Well of Ascension, because then we can start looking at secret history, seeing what Kelsier's up to, and how that applies to the book. Oh, yeah. Kelsier update. He's still locked in the well. Yeah, he's Um, still chilling. So in regards to the line you brought up, uh, I remember that, and I think all I thought about it at the time was not so much, you know, yeah, 
Kelsier's clearly still around as a ghost, which is a thing that we have never established up to this point. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just, this is what Kelsier would have wanted. So, right, here you go, right, Spook. Exactly. Except, no, there's, there is absolutely nothing in the first book that indicates any of that. Kelsier, like, barely, rec- like, barely interacted with Spook. He gave him a name, and then, boop, done, you're dead. Yep. He did, I mean, he didn't seem to think too much about Spook in the first book. It's not until, like, Spook really goes through his ordeals in the Year of Ages that, that he grows as a character. He's doing a little bit of growth now, but not much. And then, uh, in regards to Ellen's My Fair Ladying, uh, yeah, it's it's like he's getting a montage, except it's <laughs> in regular time and spread out. So, like, it's it's showing all the stuff that a montage does, but, like, fully lengthened out. Right. It's an it's anti-montage. Not he's not instantly going to be better. And it's it's neat to see the next few chapters. Like, Ellen still does the whole, now see, blah, 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 blah. He still occasionally lapses, but it starts going away. His speech patterns that were developed in the first book will change by midway through this second book, and you can actually see it happen. That is a neat touch. Yeah, Ellen in book three is, he has definitely taken all of these lessons to heart, and it's pretty cool to see. Well, and one of the things that I think is cool, uh, since you mentioned that this makeover montage happens in real time, part of it is because Tinfoil is just so on point here. Like she's already spoken to his tailor and got his measurements and the outfits are ready and in his closet. And this is just a fitting, like just a formality. Like it's already done. She's already done, done all the work. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. I, I just love these scenes with her interacting with both Vin and Ellen and just the differences between how she interacts with both of them, the messages that she has for them. And I yeah, she can come off a bit abrasive sometimes, but I think that's just mostly how she interacts with Ellen. She has to be towards him. Well, and you, you, know that, you, you know that under the Lord Ruler's rule that she... Like, she's never done this before. She wasn't going around helping people become great rulers and kings. Right. Before. So this but is she like, also has the information. Yeah, she knows. She has the information, but she's never done it before. I, I just have this mental picture of her sitting around and daydreaming about how she's going to <laughs> use the information after the fall of the Lord Ruler. In the same way that Sazed had these idealistic dreams of going out to the villages and sharing all of this knowledge with the people, like, but by, by the side of the hearth or whatever. And you know what's. Tendwell is over there dreaming about, ah, uh, I'm going to find myself a nice bumbling king and make him <laughs> mold him into my image. Um, but you actually bring up a good point about, about Sazed. Like, yeah, the intention, what he thought he was going to do was spread the religions. People would take those religions and start practicing them again. Like, that's what he assumed would happen. But people don't care. It doesn't apply to them anymore. Like, the these are failed religions. They were either false or they couldn't survive the Lord Ruler. Like, it doesn't matter. The funny thing is the religions and well, all the information, but the religions are for Sazed alone when he remakes the world. Like, they are spe- explicitly for that purpose. And that is sort of 
And I already talked about it, and I'm, I'm gushing a little bit because uh, I can't wait till we get to to the end of Hero of Ages and can talk now, about it. Thinking about it from Sacid's perspective, since since we're talking about it, that it's kind of bittersweet. It's kind of sad when you really think about it because he thought they were so important. Yeah. Like, like that was the thing that he thought was important enough to study and save and share with people because they were important once. Like people died for these religions and right. now nobody cares. And that's got to be, that's got to be pretty devastating. And Sazed takes it pretty well. He does. Well, he does get the information out eventually because the, we do see some practitioners of older religions in era two. I mean, we got a lot of new religions and he also studies those. Um, and of course he doesn't care that they could be partially false. Like why, why would he care if he's worshiped or not? Like, I don't even think he wants to be worshiped. Um, but it's like, there's new religions and then we have some old ones still too. Cause there was the talk about trellism, although that's modified. So where where Sazed has kind of a worst case scenario trying to teach religion to the ska and they just don't care. Um Tindwell has like a best case scenario where mm, yeah. like Ellen is actually fairly eager to learn the things that she has to teach. And like he's he's got like this this core of of like there could be a good leader in there if he's only taught the right things in the right way. And then Tindwell's like, "Yeah, I can teach you those things." And, yeah, so, I don't know where I was going with this, but there it is. No, no, it makes sense. She's she's what you would expect to happen from the information finally being taught. And says it is, of this is not how it's supposed to work. Situation. The Keepers, uh, that's not fun. Since we're talking of Keepers, I wanted to talk about Tin Mines. Because we, we got that chapter where he taps and and also stores one particular sense, and this is brought up later on in the book. Each of the tin mine stores one of the senses. So he can do eyesight, or he could do smell, or he could do taste. Now, classically, we're taught that there's five senses of the human body, but in actuality, there's a lot of senses of the human body. Not to mention just the five, but we also have stuff like a sense of time and a sense of balance. I would imagine you can store those things. You can store your sense of balance and be like dizzy for a while. So that way you can be like a trapeze artist afterwards. That sounds like the worst possible thing. I'm just, just saying just the worst. Like look best, at your sense. Go on. Like best case scenario, you're just lying in bed while you store this you so just, that you don't like yeah. fall and kill yourself except that you have no sense of balance now, so you don't know which way is down, and you're just laying there, but, like, it's the worst. Dude, the, you see that all the time when he's storing any of the attributes, like when he stores speed, and he's storing um his his clarity, his speed of thought. It's like, it's any time, or storing health, like, you're gonna have those bad days, so you can have really good days. I'm not saying someone... Sh- What's I think that? it sounds amazing because uh, I do I do get migraines and when I do I get vertigo and the only thing for it is to just go lay in bed and not move. So, like the vertigo goes away as long as you don't move like at all. Yeah. So anytime that happened, I could just be like storing my balance, you know, and 
just lay in bed, listen to an audiobook, don't move. And then later I could draw some of that balance out and walk through my house without tripping on things because I'm a total klutz and that happens. You could briefly be a cat. Briefly, ever so briefly. Uh, I actually also have a disease that I get dizzy spells. Um, and it's the same thing. Like, you just have to sort of calm down, sit down. It's You can survive the vertigo. It sucks. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you could be starting. And, and so, so balance was just one of the examples. Uh, I mentioned you have a sense of time. That's probably not really accurate unless, or useful unless you like need an accurate time for like one day. Like I need to keep track of time down to the second. Maybe then you can store your sense of time and tap it then. But there's also the sense of you know where your body parts are. That's sort of related to, it's not really balance. But we have a sense of knowing where our arms and feet are without having to look at them all the time. That's one of our senses. So the point is, we have a lot of senses. And I'm sort of curious what it would be like to store each of them and if there's a use for them. Yeah, I, I see the, the chat. Oh, for Tori, yeah. Because I, my, my, I don't actually, I haven't gotten a dizzy spell in a while. Um, mine is related to caffeine. So as long as I avoid caffeine, I'm pretty good. Um... Well, obviously the the smell one comes in handy, like storing it sure. if there's if there's something nasty. Like, man, that would come in handy every time my cat takes a crap on the floor that I and have to clean up. You need to find something. Hey, you can you can use up that sense of smell and be a bloodhound for a bit, or just like whenever I'm sitting down to a really nice meal, crank that up. Mm. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, hearing. I mean, there are there are times when I want to be able to hear less. Not often, but oh, when I'm when I'm trying to get to sleep, that'd be great. I could just tune yeah. out everything. Those times when I'm laying in bed and I think I'm safe and alone in my house, and suddenly the dog will sit up and bark at something random. It's like, oh god, is there a killer in my house? That's when I want to be able to hear real good. Yeah, there's not a killer in your house. There's a squirrel within a hundred miles of your house. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh puppy. Um, yeah. Like the the proprioception. Uh yeah, I don't I, know how I can't think of a good use be. for that outside of drugs. Outside of drugs. Um, I mean, you know, you just like, get you just get real messed up and then oh no, where'd my legs go? Yeah, see, that's the thing, like, there isn't much in terms of, like, going beyond what we naturally have for that particular sense. Like, there's just, we already have it pretty topped out. But sense of balance, sense of time, those are things you definitely can sense, can uh, increase or decrease. But, you know, just, just to think about other things that could be senses beyond those that I mentioned, because there are a lot of senses, not just the classical five. All right, well, um, these chapters were, were pretty barren, so go ahead, do your one more thing. Uh, I want to talk about Chandra. Uh, of course, specifically Ten Soon says Chandra can't use Allomancy, so this is false. But they can't use Allomancy naturally. Same as far as we know as Furukami. Um, they, if they are spiked with something that gives them Allomantic or ferrochemical uh, abilities, they can use it, just like a Mistborn or a Furukamist. But we don't find out about that until Era 2. 
And it takes what? a foreign god metal to do it. No. You can be spiked with you can be spiked with a, you know, steel spike that gives you pewter enhancing and you can tap you can use it and burn steel like you can do this steel or pewter or whatever. If if a conjurer is spiked with those things beyond and, and I think that's part of the blessing of potency. It is pewter. Um but it like you said, it's like a low burn, so it's they're not really tapping and storing it or anything like that. Yeah, that terror, said- that's that's con yeah, conjecture based on their storing senses. It's weird to me that you would just be able to store the five classical senses, because there's nothing that separates those senses from the other senses we have in their body. I was going to say, I'm, um, so I was just flipping back through chapter 13, which is where Orser has the, uh, conversation with Vin about, uh, Chandra's and Allomancy. And what he actually says is Chandra cannot be affected by mental Allomancy. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he outright says they can or can't use it. He says they can't be affected by it. Well, he also says at one point that he claims they can't use Allomancy. Like, that's where Dave's getting his information. I know it's said at one... He says it at one point. I just don't remember the exact words. Well, the unaffected by emotional Allomancy thing is... Straight up is a lie. Oh, right. So, um... It's on the next page. I didn't read far enough. Uh, Ven outright asks, Can a Chandra use Allomancy? And Orser shook his head. Yep. Well, how would he know? He's never had access to a single foreign god metal spike. No, you don't need a god metal spike. Yeah, you do. No, you don't. I'm gonna look sure up do. right now. What's the girl's name? Forget her name. Give me, give me her name. What's the Wax's ex? I am Lessie? blanking on it. Lessie. Palm. That's her conjure name is Palm. Spoiler warning. I don't care about spoiler. I just want to look her up. I know she has a foreign god metal, but that's for other reason, spikes of metal unknown even to harmony to grant herself elementic and ferrochemical powers. But I don't think there's anything that says you can't use regular metals. I, I was reading all about this, but I remember and I wanted to talk about it. And I don't remember. I need a copper mine. Yeah, you'll need to read it again for next week. Well, I was reading about hemallergy. That's why. And that's what we'll talk about next week. I guess. Yeah, that's that's a good note to cut us out on. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Wait, 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 wait. Just give me two seconds. Two seconds. Okay, I guess they are blessings, so you actually do need the god metal. Or the unknown... Actually, it says unknown metal, so it could be a trell metal, or it could... I don't think it's Harmony's metal. Et metal. It's not Harmony's metal. It is maybe not trell, probably trell. I mean, clicking on the unknown metal goes to Trillium, but we don't know because we don't have book for yet. But yes, Conjure can use it if spiked with with that. So it's sort of false, but again, Tensoon doesn't know it's false. Um, The first time it happens is 300 years after he says it can't happen. Right, because... He's telling the truth. He just doesn't realize that there are any circumstances that could possibly allow this. And we can we can call it now. All right. Bye everybody. Good Bye. night internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive podcast. Follow us on Twitter at @cosmerecast or like us on Facebook. 
Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thank you.